0: Woke up quick at about noon. Appreciate you for downloading, subscribing, streaming. Appreciate you for listening to the Thursday, July 9th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling. Presented by Vibe Health with locations in East Sacramento, Woke Park and Folsom. And big shout out to everybody who ordered a t-shirt. And I was, uh, I got a nice little text message. Uh, from Donnie, the dude who runs, uh, he's he's the creative mind, he's the creative genius, if you will, uh, behind the Dope Ones apparel line, and uh, he sent me a nice little text message saying quite a few orders uh, came in on the first day of sales, and I'm not talking about yesterday when we promoted it on the show i'm talking about the day before when we were promoting it uh, just on social media so everybody who ordered uh, a t-shirt man thank you for that i promise they're going to be more designs on the way there's still plenty i mean they're made to order man so if you want one go get one the dope ones.com you'll see the damian barlin collection i know it's it's actually quite stupid there's the tupac collection there's the kobe collection there is the nipsey hustle collection there's the 90s collection and for reasons Known only to the dope ones. There is the Damian Barling collection. Uh, So go check that out. The More Than a Podcast t-shirt. Some of the other ones that we got up there. Let everybody uh, know what you're listening to. I'd greatly appreciate it. We greatly appreciate it. And don't be shocked if I ask you for some more favors over the course of the next couple of weeks. Different types of favors. But I've told you we've got some things on the horizon, and I'm really excited to announce those. The partnership with The Dope Ones uh, was just the first one. So thedopeones.com, go check out our new podcast t-shirts that are available. Now, there's a link in the description of this podcast as well that you can just go to the description, see you know all of the show notes. Uh, you'll see a link uh, directly. Uh, it'll take you directly to our t-shirt collection. So appreciate everyone for checking that out. Appreciate everyone uh, who are ordering those and i'm gonna be pushing those hard i'm gonna be adding more designs uh, as the weeks and months go along and i'm gonna make today's show positive we're gonna make it fun we're gonna make it happy because that's what we do the day after a particularly negative show in which there seemed to be a whole lot of bad news yesterday we're, we're gonna do a 180 just like we did the week before we're gonna get back we're gonna find happy stories we're even gonna make bad stories sound happy as a matter of fact raheem Moster he Wants a trade. He wants out of San Francisco. I'm going to find a way to make that happy. How? By having one of my uh, favorite writers who covers the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Kyle Matson. As a matter of fact, uh, he's going to join us right now. Uh, Kyle Matson, 95-7, the game in San Francisco. Of course, he covers the San Francisco 49ers for Niner Wire. Let's start with this. What is the likelihood uh, that Raheem Mostert remains a member of the San Francisco 49ers?
1: So if it was a hundred percent yesterday, it's like seventy eight percent now. That's my approximate number. I just I think to get a deal done, somebody will need to want to trade an asset for a twenty eight year old running back who has a half season of, of production. Um, you know, he only had hundred and thirty seven carries last year and he turned that into seven hundred and seventy two yards, I think it was, with with eight touchdowns. But he really didn't come on until the end of the year. It was it was clear in 2018 that that he could do something in this offense. But I just like with the with the way running backs are regarded now in the NFL, I can't imagine that a team is going to give up something that the Niners are going to want to trade for, and then have to pay Raheem Mostert more than what he's currently making. And at that point, the Niners hold all the cards, um, and Mostert can you know uh either stick around or or sit out and not get paid anything so it it'll be it'll be interesting to see but i do think he winds up sticking with the 49ers the the rift between the two sides is over like 2 million ish dollars so i i i think they they figure out a way to get that done
0: yeah it doesn't seem like very much he's the fourth highest paid running back on the San Francisco 49ers which is really yeah. an amazing statistic yeah yeah, but I'm flashing back. As soon as I read the story, as soon as I read all of your stuff on Honor's Wire, I, I was flashing back to a, a conversation you and I were having about, I think it was Le'Veon Bell, but I don't really know. I can't remember who it was. But I remember I presented a scenario to you that involved a running back. And again, I'm going to assume it was Le'Veon Bell. And you were adamant. They will not, they being Kyle Shanahan and and, and John Lynch, they will not pay big money for a, a running back and Mostert is isn't asking for big money, but it feels like this, this is a position that j- they just don't budge on.
1: Yeah, a, a little bit. They, they kind of go with this running back by committee approach. And it's been a little bit like this since Mike Shanahan days in Denver. I mean, there, there's just a, a, a list of running backs that went for a thousand yards and then you never hear from them again. And Kyle Shanahan had similar success. And what the Niners have done is just kind of continued to put together uh, a group of running backs out of undrafted free agents or somebody like Tevin Coleman, who is a a late free agent signing. They've used one draft pick on a running back since Kyle Shanahan got there in 2017. And uh, that was Joe Williams in the fourth round of the 2017 draft. He never even played a snap. So they know they can produce a running game with like you and I, so I don't. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna bend over backwards to find two million dollars for Raheem Mostert. But if they're restructuring a deal and can find a way to to free up that two million bucks and, and throw it Mostert's way, I think they'll do that. And and I do think that that's kind of how this this whole situation winds up.
0: Yeah. So there's there's a lot here to dissect. He he being Raheem Mostert, he has no leverage in this. He, no. You know, even at two and a half million. He has no leverage, and I didn't feel like his agent's strategy was the soundest.
1: Yeah, they, they, they being most certain his agent, signed a three-year deal last year. I think it was for $8.7 million. He got paid to be a special team ace, which is what he's been through the first four and a half years of his career. And then he had a good, we'll call it 10-game stretch, and now now his agent wants him to be paid like, like a a top running back and I just don't think I don't think that that I I say a top running back like the Niners top running back and while I do think he's their number one guy I don't like I don't I I agree completely with you I I don't think that he he went about this the right way really at all like the Niners are looking at it like uh Mostert is excellent as a runner in this scheme but he caught check this out he caught 14 passes last year which is which is not a lot. Um, He had two drops and of his 180 yards, 152 of them came after the catch, which means there's a lot of screens and a lot of like short throws that that he just took off on. And Shanahan requires a running back. Who's going to be a little more versatile. And I don't think Mostert is that it's like, if he's on the field, they're very likely running it. He's not a great pass blocker. He's not a great pass catcher. And so I think the Niners are kind of looking at it and going, well, Kevin Coleman's getting paid because he can do all this stuff you're a really good runner. Um, so I, I totally get where the Niners are coming from. I get why most wants to get paid too. Like, get your money, man. I'm not going to fault him at all. But like I said, he's 28. He uh, has half a year of, of great NFL production and a really great NFC championship game to his name. And I understand why the Niners are looking at it and going, no, like, well, we'll we're good. If you produce again, we can talk, but... Uh, I, I totally understand why why the 49ers are kind of
0: looking at him and and, and balking as well. Yeah, and you that was a great point that you brought up, and I'm glad you did because I, I I do want to be fair to this. We talk about NFL contracts all the time, and obviously we spent a lot of time talking about them this week. You've got to strike while the iron is hot, and you alluded this uh, to this a moment ago without the specific numbers. His run in the postseason was 336 yards, five touchdowns in the three games. So, it, like it, it, his iron's probably not going to get any hotter. So go ahead and you know see what you could do with it and I, I guess it's the old line shoot your shot man see if you can get anything out of this even if it's not a 2 million dollar raise maybe you don't get up to the highest paid uh, running back on, on the San Francisco 49ers but if 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 you bump up a million and a quarter or something like that Hey, that's a win, and in and, 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 and you take it as a twenty-eight-year-old running back.
1: It's a little bit of a risk for for his his agent too to yeah. kind of go about it this way, yeah. Because like if they go explore the trade market and everyone's like, thanks, no thanks, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're in a really tough spot. But that's 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 going to be interesting to see down the road for sure.
0: The first thing I did when I saw the tweet was look up his agent because I wasn't when I saw the tweet. I was like, okay, who is this person representing? It was like, oh, that's his actual agent. Like I'm, I'm not as familiar with him. And I am looking at this like, Oh, what's a bold strategy cotton. Like you, you do that. If you're a certain, you know, certain agents get away with that. But when you're, you know, <laughs> no disrespect, but when you're kind of on the lower tier of agents, that's not the soundest. Right. That's yeah. Not, not the soundest, uh, especially for a team uh, coming off of the Super Bowl. Uh Do we, Ever see Jarek McKinnon take a snap for the 49ers? Maybe.
1: <laughs> that's
0: that's uh, why you're the best, Kyle. That's a ninety five seven a game man, in San welcome. Francisco for solid stuff <laughs> like that, baby. Yep. Uh
1: okay, so so the the cat the the mo- the obvious caveat here is if he's healthy, right? I think if Jarek McKinnon is one hundred percent and he's healthy and he is back to the player or 90% of the player he was in the Niners. him. I think he takes a lot of snaps for San Francisco because of what I just mentioned with Raheem Mostert, like you need to be able to, to catch passes and line up in the slot or line up out wide and play multiple positions as a running back in Shanahan's offense. And that, that was the value of McKinnon. That's why they overpaid him to come to San Francisco because he was supposed to be like the focal point of their offense. In 2017, or 2018, excuse me, their offense is going to revolve around Jarek McKinnon. And then he gets hurt a week before the season starts. And that's why they tried to get him back last year. I think they might have rushed him back a little bit. And that's why they tried to rush him back last year. Because this is supposed to be a guy. It's why they restructured his deal to get him back this year. Like, they're giving him all these chances because they think he can be really effective in this offense. So, Like I said, if he's 90% of the player he was, I mean, he's coming off two ACL surgeries. We'll have to see what what his explosiveness is like. But if he's there and his off-season workout videos show that he is, and we all know that off-season workout videos are are good things to rely on, uh, I I think he'll be a legitimate factor if he's healthy. But if he's not, then obviously um, he, he may never play it down for the 49ers.
0: Okay, it's fun talking about football and all of that silly stuff. Let's crash back down to reality. I'm sure you saw the email that went out to San Francisco 49er fans. Let's start with the most elementary question. Do you think we see professional football this year?
1: No. I I I really don't. Like you just see you see the issues that MLB is having. Like, I'm gonna take the A's specifically because they're my favorite team. Um They had their tests for their intake tests for position players. Uh, They never went to the lab they were supposed to go to. Like they took the tests and then they were sitting in San Francisco for extra days. And so the team had to delay the start of their workouts. The Angels had their testing people not even show up, they had to administer their own tests and send them out. Uh, the Cubs have been talking about how they got tested on Sunday and then didn't get tested again for another week. Like Major League Baseball is having a ton of issues with their testing. Uh, The NFL doesn't even have testing protocols in place yet, and they're supposed to be in training camp with 90-plus players. Even if they – Adam Schefter reported that they're thinking about cutting back training camp rosters. So let's say they do a drastic cut down to 70. You have 70 football players. In one facility, plus training staff, plus coaching staff, plus nutrition staff, plus strength staff, and then you have to figure out a way to to distance within this facility, and then you're going to go play football together. Yeah. Uh, I, I, even if you're testing, like, it, I I I have a really hard time imagining that one. Test that that should be positive that comes back negative is a disaster that could just wipe out an NFL team for two plus weeks, and two weeks is like the minimum. There there are people the the Cubs pitching coach Tommy Hotovy got COVID nineteen and talked about how it took him thirty days to get a negative test, Ooh. and it took him like two and a half weeks to feel normal. And so so just to say, oh, they're out two weeks and they're fine, like not necessarily. Yeah. Like football is brutal on your lungs and so is this disease. And if um if you're not asymptomatic, you could have a real problem. So all that is to say the Niners are supposed to start training camp in three weeks. And their building's not even open yet. And they have all these obstacles to clear. I just I I I I don't know how they get teams ready. Like they need training camp. Training camp is an essential part of an NFL season. They need that four-week training camp. Uh, even if you wipe out the preseason, like, and you then have to start the season on September 10th or September 13th, I just don't. I, I with the way things are trending, I don't know how that happens.
0: Meanwhile, I, I just I don't. Meanwhile, the Brain Trust, and I use that term incredibly sarcastically, in Baltimore is <laughs> planning on having about fourteen thousand fans at their stadium this year. So that's uh that's where we are at, ladies and gentlemen. We have one team sending out emails saying, Ah, we're not gonna make a decision yet, but hey, don't count on being on Levi Stadium. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Ravens are like, Yeah. Of course we're going to do this. Why wouldn't we? And, and, and perhaps strangest of all, we still have not heard from Jerry Jones. That's strange. Jerry
1: Jones avoiding speaking when the proper thing to do is speak out against racism and police brutality doesn't shock me.
0: Hey, if you don't speak out, you can't be accused of lying. I'm pretty sure that's where
1: really strong point.
0: <laughs> pretty sure that's where old Jerry's at. He's like, I didn't say anything about Black Lives Matter. I ain't because Jerry would be the first one to go out there and say all lives matter. Like you, you already oh. know. He, he he's probably yeah. he's probably got like the 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 throwback cowboy jerseys with. The, oh, this is what we're gonna wear this year, guys. It's what we're gonna wear <laughs> on Thursdays. It's gonna say all lives matter on the back. <laughs> and the crowd in Texas, the, the, that's the, not there. The colorless we'll, rush <laughs> <laughs> Dear God, Kyle Matson! For goodness' sake,s sadly accurate. Do we crown a champion in a major sport this year?
1: Yeah, I think I I think so. I I, I don't think it'll be smooth sailing. Um, I think the NBA probably has the best shot, but I I I I think to get there, it's going to be a, a very rough road where by the end of it uh you know the the bucks win game 6 of the finals and it's all over i feel like it'll be more of a sense of relief for everybody
0: than oh, for sure.
1: like excitement that that a team won the championship so uh, i i i think we get there but i i think it'll be uh maybe not as awesome as as we want it to be
0: well, I, no, I think it'll be great. Like, I don't think it's going to take away from the moment. I think it'll, it'll just be – I think, I think you, you said it perfectly. It'll be relief. Like, oh, we made it. And if they make it, there, I mean, the NFL is going to think, okay, if they got through it, we can get through it because we're the right. NFL. And you're, everything that you talked about earlier about having hundreds and hundreds of people okay, – well, slight exaggeration – but 100-plus people, maybe even 200 people in a training camp – you're logically thinking the NFL doesn't think like that. The NFL thinks money and they think dollar bills and they think they got enough money. They could just throw it at the problem. Well, we're just going to throw more money at this COVID problem and it'll be fixed. Like, I think that's the way the NFL operates. I am trying to envision a scenario where a game is not played that uh, I know you just said the this, that Thursday in September. Barring, yeah, I, a, think, a, I guess, a massive outbreak, uh, you know, amongst players would do it. But I feel like that. Oh, sign practice, guys! We got to get this game on the air because we need to make that billion dollars.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. I think it would have to take a pretty massive breakout where a team is missing like like nine or ten starters, where where the league finally goes, okay, fine. Or if somebody, you know, God forbid, somebody gets like very seriously, like life endangeringly sick. And I, I, like I said, God forbid that happens, but that might be what it takes for the NFL to finally throw up a tangent and go, okay, fine. Um, because, I mean, money is, is ultimately what matters here for, for these leagues. As, as as much as we want to think the players come first, I, I, I don't. I'm I'm not certain they're going to.
0: I feel horrible having to point this out, and I feel like you're right. It it would take someone to get really sick, but I, I'm also fearful it would take the right person to get really sick. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it would have to be someone with the last name Rogers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a, like a, yeah. a, 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 prominent quarterback. It would have to be someone that would get the league's attention. You know, the, the quarterback from the practice squad, probably not going to do it. They'll probably dig up his old yeah. health records and say, no, it's not this like he had something else that was wrong when he was yeah, 10. That, no, no one, one saw it. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was kind of the one of the conversations we were having talking about the NBA. It was like, how many players would have to get sick for the NBA to cancel it? And it's like if it's a bunch of like like 12th through 15th yep. guys, there it's unlimited. But Kyle if, Guy's not going to
0: shut the league down.
1: Exactly. But if it's if it's LeBron, Chris Paul, and Giannis and Kawhi simultaneously, the answer is four. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, you're, you're
0: you're close. The answer is one. If LeBron that's, James that's, tests yeah, positive, yeah, it's yeah, over. Right.
1: Yeah, that's correct. That that's that's. That's that's correct. They're not going to keep the league going, especially if it's rolling and and LeBron has to be out for two plus weeks. That's not happening.
0: Any thoughts on Patrick Mahomes before I let you go in in the deal that he signed?
1: Yeah. Like once you get past the sticker shock of 10 years, 450 million, which is a baseball contract Mm -hmm. like that surpasses the career earnings of uh, Eli Manning is the NFL's leader in career earnings, if you can believe that it's like 200 million more than his total career earnings, right? which is like, it's just a mind-blowingly large contract. But what you said is correct. Like when you get down to it, if the cap continues to rise the way it, it kind of has, and I don't think it will the next year or two, because COVID is going to throw off the league's revenue so much. But once the league kind of starts rolling and making money hand over fist again, and the cap starts to rise, like, Patrick Mahomes is going to be making, I, I think about the going rate, maybe a little less than the going rate for, for a great starting quarterback.
0: Yeah. And, um, and, no, but I, there's that weird year where it's like 60 million,
1: but that's fine. That, that he could make that Patrick Mahomes is so good. He could make that annually. And I wouldn't yeah, even be
0: that. right. That's very <laughs> true. That's very true. The
1: guy was down. The guy was down 24, nothing in a playoff game. And they won by double digits. Yeah. The 49ers shut them down for 53 minutes. They had him at third and 15 game on the line. And he's just easy. Like is he, he, there's, there's like with Lamar Jackson, I, I, as, as great as I think Lamar Jackson is, people are still going to look at him and go, that is a very run heavy offense. Mm-hmm. What happens if a team makes him drop back and pass? Because he hasn't answered that question yet. I think he's gonna be fine. But that's a question that people can bring up. There's nothing you can do with Patrick Mahomes. You can't blitz him, you can't force him out of the pocket, you can't force him to stay in the pocket. Like you put you you have him sacked and he's still gonna fire one sidearm fifty yards down the field. Like he's just like he's, it's like he's he's bulletproof. And when you're defense proof at the most important position in sports, like you're gonna get paid. And I, I agree with you. I think the Chiefs did the right thing, and I, I, I think that at some point he's going to get like another extension to catch him up to the market yeah. because he's going to be making a little bit less than than the market.
0: Kyle Matson, ninety-five-seven, the game in San Francisco, and NinersWire.com. dot com. Always a pleasure uh, to have Kyle on with us here on the podcast. We'll transition from Patrick Mahomes to Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak Prescott he signed the franchise tender he is set to play for the Dallas Cowboys of course assuming there's a Dallas Cowboys season but as we've talked about over the course of the you know the last few weeks ever since he signed that tender they could still get a long-term deal done and the question of whether they would get a long-term deal done sparked back up a couple of days ago after the Patrick Mahomes deal was signed It's like, okay, now all eyes are kind of turning to Deshaun Watson. They're turning to Dak Prescott. What does Dak Prescott mean for the Dallas Cowboys' future? Well, we're going to find out in the very near future. Uh, They've got six days to hammer out a long-term deal. Now, what does it mean in terms of on-the-field play if Dak Prescott doesn't get a deal? Nothing. It doesn't mean anything. But what does it mean psychologically? What does it mean uh, in the relationship between – Dak Prescott, his representatives, and the Dallas Cowboys? I don't know. You know, I, I, You know, Dak has won football games. And it's the, the, the worst stretch that he has had as a professional quarterback. I absolutely do not blame him for it. I blame Jason Garrett. I blame that coaching staff. I blame the plan that they put in place when they went those, I think it was six games without Ezekiel Elliott, and they tried to, they were a running team that year. They were 100% a running team that year. Uh, Zeke was performing fantastically, and they decided when Ezekiel Elliott was out that we're going to make this Dak Prescott's team, and they had no running game. They veered away from their running game. They still had the great offensive line. I believe that was the year they had Alfred Morris as the backup, and they just chose not to, they chose not to run. They tried to throw everything on Dak Prescott's shoulders, and defenses recognized it very, very quickly, and they annihilated him. They just made an absolute fool out of Jason Garrett. They made a fool out of the Dallas Cowboys, and they made a fool out of Dak Prescott. That's really the only time in Dak's career that he hasn't played well. So, you know, what this... But, but... What does that equate in terms of dollar figures? I thought, as you know, we were just talking about with Kyle... I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to earn a hell of a lot more than he did. You know, they made the decision. I mean, think about this. Like, let's, I I know we focus on the, and rightfully so, the Super Bowl. We focus on the MVP, rightfully so, the 50 touchdowns and all of that. Let's not forget, he was drafted. He was drafted and pedestaled as the, the next Kansas City quarterback, despite the fact Alex Smith was playing phenomenally despite the fact that Alex Smith was having some of his best years as a professional quarterback. Andy Reid made the decision, no, Patrick Mahomes is going to be our guy. They knew when they drafted him, he was going to be the guy. Those are his three years in the league. His three years in the league, he doesn't play. His first year, he doesn't play. He's going to replace a long-term quarterback who has had a phenomenal stay in Kansas City. They're just going to let his contract expire and allow him to go somewhere else. Then he throws 50 touchdowns. Then he wins the Super Bowl MVP. He wins the league MVP. Then he wins the Super Bowl. Again, I thought he was going to get paid a lot more. Dak Prescott hasn't done any of those things. Deshaun Watson hasn't done any of those things. But Dak Prescott has played very well for the Dallas Cowboys. Where are we at with negotiations? I don't know. Jerry's still radio silent talking about a moment ago with Kyle, we ain't heard from him since George Floyd died. This is the longest stretch in which Jerry Jones has not been in the NFL news. Got to be in his entire uh, ownership stint, you know, dating back to what is that? The early nineties, 91 ish, maybe 90. It's, this is the longest stretch that we've gone without hearing, uh, without hearing from, from, from Jerry Jones. But, At that same point, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We haven't heard from Jerry. We haven't heard from Steven. I don't think we've heard from Dak Prescott's agents either. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they're actually trying to hammer out a deal. Maybe there's a concern, you know, given the fact that we're in a global pandemic, maybe given the fact that there's probably not going to be fans in stadiums this year. Certainly not. Uh, capacity crowds in stadiums this year maybe they're looking at it like oh maybe it's just better not that it's really that much cheaper for Dak Prescott to play on a on a franchise tag it avoids any sort of signing bonus it 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 sets off any chance of having you know potentially 50 million dollars due at signing I mean he's going to be due guaranteed 100% was it like 31 million this year so it's not, it's not going to be that much cheaper, at least for the year, to not sign Dak Prescott long-term. I just wonder, what the if, if any, I wonder what the long-term damage is if they can't get a contract worked out in the next six days. July 15th is, is the deadline to get this done. Everyone has said, uh, everyone close to the situation has said the length of the deal is the biggest concern. The Cowboys want a five-year deal. Dak Prescott wants a four-year deal. Okay. And, and, and we all know five-year deals, four-year deals. I think what we're talking about here is Dak Prescott wants a real four-year deal that assures him that he is the quarterback with guaranteed money for the next four years. Now, we see that the Cowboys want a five-year deal. We don't know how much of that is actually real. And we also don't know the changes in the salary cap. We also don't know. And I think the salary cap is probably going to drop next year. I think. And, you know, this NFL, man, it's, it's hard cap. It's hard cap. So you got to figure out what you're going to do with your quarterback, and you got to figure it out uh, right away. So $31.4 million is the tag if the two sides can't come to an agreement uh, on July 15th. There's no threat of this. This isn't a Le'Veon Bell situation. Dak has already signed the tender. He's not going to sit out. He can't sit out. I mean, he could. He would just accrue massive amounts of fines. The reason he signed the tender is to assure the Cowboys like, hey, I know we've got Mike McCarthy here for the first time. I know we got new offensive coordinators. We got all sorts of people in here. We've we've got a, you know, we've we've got to get on the same page because this is all about winning. Like I get that. It's actually a strong gesture by Dak Prescott because the reason people don't sign the tender, it's not only their frustration with not having a long term deal. If they don't sign the tender, they're technically not under any sort of contract. And they don't have to report to training camp. They don't have to report to OTAs. They don't. Which you know, who knows if any of that stuff is even going to exist this year? But they cannot appear at any of that stuff and not accrue any fines. That's why guys always sign those franchise tenders. Well, day after training camp ended, here comes, you know, whoever, and they come in and 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 they play the year, and seemingly inevitably get hurt by week four. I feel like that happens so frequently when guys sit out training camp. But I think it was a smart—plus we're talking $31 million. It's a different situation when you're a quarterback, right? Like if you're a running back, yeah, I think I'll go ahead and sign this tender on the last day of training camp. I'm not going to go show up for this and the you know, dollar figure is so substantially lower than this. But as a quarterback, 31400000 million, you're in the top earners of the NFL. And you're certainly in the top earners of, of quarterbacks, even though it's just for one year under a franchise tag. A second year franchise tag at at, at the current going rate for quarterbacks would cost the Dallas Cowboys $38 million. Uh, Only Kirk Cousins has been franchised twice. Uh, I think Kirk. So Kirk Cousins had five guaranteed paydays, five years of guaranteed paydays in the NFL because he was franchised twice and then he signed that deal. With with the Minnesota Vikings, if the Cowboys, if for whatever reason the Cowboys and Dak Prescott can't come to an agreement next year, that's thirty eight million on the books if they choose to franchise him again because it's one hundred and twenty percent over what he makes this year. So it goes from thirty one point four to thirty eight million over two years. That's sixty nine million dollars guaranteed. That's nice. And then the third year, it's not even. It's not even feasible. It's a $54 million price tag to franchise him a third year. That's why you'll never see it. That's why you didn't see it with Kirk Cousins. That's why you're not going to see it with Dak Prescott. That's probably why you're never going to see it with an NFL quarterback. That's $111 million guaranteed dollars in the span of three years because you couldn't work out a long-term deal. I don't think it costs the Cowboys anything extra if, 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 they, if they franchise Dak another year. I hope they don't. I hope they get him locked up long-term. I mean, if Dak Prescott isn't the Cowboys' long-term solution at the quarterback position, then who the hell is? Well, what are they going to do? Like, I mean, where Dak Prescott was drafted, you've got to be thrilled with this. Of course, Dak recognizes that as well, and he's looking at it, and I would assume his agents are looking at it like, hey, he's the quarterback of the Dallas freaking Cowboys, and you're a winning football team because of the combination of him and Ezekiel Elliott. Now you've paid Ezekiel Elliott, now pay my client. My client is the reason that your team wins football games. Now if you think you could throw someone else in there and let all of those defenses key off of Ezekiel Elliott, go ahead, give it a shot. Let's see how it works out. Uh, Sticking in the NFC East, before we shift the basketball here in just a moment, uh, the fallout continues for the Washington football team as Amazon became the latest company to announce it would be removing uh, all of Washington's merchandise for sale while the team considers a name change. We had heard rumors that uh, Washington Warriors, I think, is going to wind up being the name. Uh, Amazon released a statement saying, With the announcement from the Washington team in the NFL, we are removing products with the team's name and logo from our stores. Uh, Failure to properly close or delete all restricted product items from your inventory may result in deactivation. That is, uh, again, uh, a statement that was released uh, to Amazon and and to its uh, affiliates that all Washington paraphernalia uh, needs to be removed from the website. I also found FedEx's uh, stadium deal. This was a number that I couldn't find the other day when they had well, when they sent out that statement saying, uh, "Washington, you need to fix this," uh, specifically Washington, you need to change this. Uh, their naming rights for that stadium are two hundred five million dollars up until twenty twenty five, and they were just one of several sponsors. You know, now we know what Nike did. Now Amazon soon's to follow. So it's it's apparent that uh, never in all caps is coming quickly, and it appears that the way you get a head Uh, NFL owners' attention is to threaten their money. That is the only way to get their attention is to threaten their money. And again, the quote is there: "I will never change their name. Never put it in all caps. Will never has arrived." Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted yesterday also that uh, there it would there would be no Native American imagery at all uh, in whatever Washington's new logo is. And again, it seems that the it seems that the uh, the leader in the clubhouse, if you will, is 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 the Washington Warriors. Uh, let's shift to the National Basketball Association as teams continue to arrive in Orlando for the resumption of the season, including your Sacramento Kings. Their first practice is set for Friday. Uh, their first practice is set for tomorrow. They'll be off of their forty-eight hour, their thirty-six to forty-eight hour quarantine period. Uh, hopefully everybody hopefully everybody comes back with multiple negative COVID-19 tests and, and teams can get into practice and we could start seeing what this looks like. They'll have a practice on Friday. I believe they have another one on Saturday. I assume there's going to be media availability for both of them. Uh, we'll have a Sacramento Kings podcast over on the Hoopball Podcast Network coming up on Saturday for you as well to make sure you get caught up on everything. But we're getting closer. We're not there yet. It doesn't feel real yet. I know that the teams in Orlando, I know there's imagery of them getting off of the travel buses with their masks on. I know we're getting pictures from inside the room. And I think Josh Hart uh, uh, did an Instagram story with his video game set up. We saw, you know, different people carrying in TVs to their hotel rooms like they're 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 ready to hunker down. They're ready to go uh, for the next couple of months. But it's still it just doesn't feel real to me yet. And it's not going to feel real until we can get through you know, 22 teams practicing uh, without any major setbacks. It's not going to be real until we get a couple of scrimmages in in the books. Uh, then it then it'll start to you know if we can get into July 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th. If we could get through a couple of preseason games without anything you know related to the virus happening, without anything terrible related to the virus happening, I'll feel pretty confident that that we're going to get through. An NBA season but but these eight games and that first round of the playoffs man they are so critical I hate the idea that I feel like it just would have been so much more safe and we're really grading on a curve here when we talk about safe but it would have been I feel like the success the potential for success would have been so much higher if you had just done the 16 teams I'm excited that the Kings are there. Uh, I'm excited that the ringer continues to ignore them. I'm excited that the Kings have a chance to prove all of them wrong. I'm excited that the Kings were uh, seven and three in their 10 games before the break. I'm excited that they were 13-7 and 7 in the 20 games before the break. I'm excited that they were better than the Pelicans were, that they were better than the Blazers, they were better than the San Antonio Spurs, and that everybody continues to ignore them, and they have a chance to prove all of those people who are just ignoring them, whether uh, to troll the Sacramento Kings fan base or not, I'm excited that they've got a chance to prove them all wrong. Though, from just a different perspective, I think it would have been much, much safer to only have 16 teams there. And the success ratio or the the probability for success, I think, would have been higher. But that's not what they're doing. They're here. There are 22 teams here. And we've got about two weeks before six of them clear out. Okay. Let's get through these two weeks safely. Still feels an eternity away, man. It still feels so far away. July 30th. We are three weeks to the day. From an NBA game, should nothing go wrong, three weeks from today, and you heard the clip from Adam Silver yesterday. That is like Adam sounds nervous. Like he, he he's he's you know entering uncharted waters. We obviously we all are. You know we're all sitting in a situation that we've never been in before, and Adam is the first. You know he's you know they're operating under this massively expensive metaphorical bubble, and you know he's using the right words and saying we're we know we're not. A hundred percent safe, but we believe that we're you know we're safer in this environment than we would if we were you know playing in Los Angeles and playing in Sacramento and playing in Portland and playing in Milwaukee and playing in Boston and certainly nothing seems safe in Brooklyn. I think Jamal Crawford signed uh, with the Brooklyn Nets yesterday, which is great for Brooklyn. It's great for Jamal Crawford, um, but it's it's I mean they're scrambling to find I think Michael Beasley. I believe is is on the verge of of signing a deal with the. Yeah, that Michael Beasley is on the verge of signing a deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Like, they're hurting for play. You know, they've they've lost so many guys, you know, during this COVID testing. If you're not following Spencer Dinwiddie on Twitter, uh, you've got to. You've got to see him update his symptoms on a regular basis, man. It is, it is jarring. Uh, it is jarring because, you know, we're used to hearing – you know certain issues with older people we're used to hearing you know certain issues with with people with pre-existing medical conditions we're probably we're not really used to hearing someone struggle the way spencer dinwiddie is you know from a professional athlete you know from someone of spencer dinwiddie's age and and, and physical health and fitness it's it's a tough read um But teams are arriving. They're going through their quarantine period. And practice for the Sacramento Kings uh, will start on Friday and continue through the weekend. Uh, Some of the players have announced uh, what jerseys that they'll wear, Um, the social justice messages that they'll have on their jersey. uh, Chris Haynes of Yahoo reported uh, Rudy Gobert will have equality on his jersey. jersey. CJ McCollum, education reform. Uh, Kent Bazemore of your Sacramento Kings, he'll have education reform As well, Uh, Myers-Leonard will have equality. Mo Wagner will have vote. We'll see what uh, some of the other players do. I'm anxious to see if these jerseys are going to be for sale. You know, the NBA, just as the NFL does, they never uh, miss an opportunity to uh, capitalize on selling this. I would love for these jerseys to become available uh, with proceeds or at least a percentage of the proceeds going to a variety of uh, social justice funds and, and foundations and such. Uh, but those are all, you know, situations we'll monitor. I have to imagine that they are, given that they're partnered with Nike and how vocal uh, Nike has been uh, over the course of, well, I did, not even over the course of the last few months, over the course of the last few years, how vocal Nike has been, and they're the official partner of the NBA. So hopefully there is a, uh, you know, a nice, a, a nice Kent Bazemore education reform jersey out there that you can buy with per, percentages uh, of those sales going to uh, social justice causes, if you will um so that's that's the good news you know there's a lot of good news in the NBA teams are arriving we're getting closer practices beginning this weekend uh but there is a lot of bad news and I told you at the beginning of the show I was going to try to be as cheerful as possible uh so before we transition into some of the bad news I want to remind you that the latest episode of Relive is available uh focuses on the formation of the NWO and the biggest heel turn in the history of professional wrestling when Hulk Hogan, after years of red and yellow, after years of training, saying your prayers and eating your vitamins, uh, turned heel, one of the most memorable moments in wrestling history. That is available on this very same podcast platform that you're listening to the show on, Relive with Damian Barling. Of course, you can get extra podcast content by heading over to patreon.com slash Damien Barling, uh, patreon.com slash Damien Barling. You can catch all our episodes of Be Conscious. We got another episode. Um, I have a, I had been working all week on an episode. I might, I might, I'm I'm either going to put out two or I'm going to put out like a multi-topic Be Conscious this week. I, I had an idea and then I was reading an article about something that happened in Phoenix and it started to change my Started to change my tone. I was going to do kind of a more, I don't want to call it lighthearted because it's not funny, but your president has had a hell of a week. And I, most of it was comical. And then I started reading some, some other things, and it was like, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's not the time for this. And I don't even know at what point this stuff with Trump isn't funny anymore. I mean, like it, and it's not funny like, ha-ha, funny. It's like, funny, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening to us. It's like you have to laugh to keep from crying. And he, he, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things you could call Donald Trump, but he once said he could walk out on the Fifth Avenue, put a bullet in someone's head and not lose a vote. Well, he has put a figurative bullet in about one hundred and twenty thousand Americans. So we'll find out in November if he's going to lose a vote or not. But there are some things that you look at with all of this stuff going on. He's tweeting at Bubba Wallace. Like, for God's sakes. He went after the one black dude in NASCAR. Like, that wasn't the most transparent thing in the world. And then he went after, you know, Washington and Cleveland, the, 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 the Cleveland Indians and the Washington football team. Man, this, is a, this was all on Monday. Damn, fam, this is a hell of a way to start the week. People don't want the intersect between politics and sports. It's like, bruh, like, your president won't stop tweeting at athletes. Like, he loves going at sports teams. He loves going at athletes. Particularly because he loves going at black athletes because they know that he knows that that's going to galvanize his fan base. So that was my intention with Be Conscious, but it took a it took a turn last night when I came across an article that I think is worth sharing with you. So if you're into more lengthy uh, political and social conversations, uh, Be Conscious is the podcast for you. But it's available exclusively through our subscription service over on Patreon.com. Slash Damian Barling. Uh, so there is uh, some bad news that came out of the world of college sports yesterday. Uh, we'll, we'll go from bad to worse. Uh, so we'll start with the bad. That's the Ivy League. They announced on Wednesday that it is ruled out playing all sports this fall. They are the first Division I conference to say it will not hold sports this upcoming semester. Uh, no decision has been made on winter or spring sports or even whether fall sports could return and be played out in the spring of 2021. So they're looking at different options uh, to be able to get some of these sports in at a later date. But right now for the Ivy league, things have been shut down. Now that's obviously a big deal. It's a division one conference and you know, the Ivy league we're we're talking about the most some of the most prestigious schools in, in the country, but they're not power five. And I don't mean to be, well, I don't mean to be a dick, but in the grand scheme of college sports, like it doesn't, what the Ivy league does doesn't matter. It matters what the PAC 12 does. It matters what the sec does. Matters what the ACC does. It matters what the power five does. And I have tried to work out a theory as to what, college sports would look like I know Jim Harbaugh was speaking about it yesterday and Harbaugh is a tough he's a tough read like when you're reading transcripts of his calls it doesn't translate very well I think Jim Harbaugh is one of those guys where it'd be a whole lot better if you could hear him and hear what he's saying and a lot of his quotes were isolated and you know tweeted about yesterday and it's like oh this is bad This is bad. Even when you get the quote in full context, it's like, nope, this is bad. But the problem, again, with Harbaugh is you can't hear him, and you can't hear his tone, and you can't hear how he's delivering things. But I honestly have convinced myself, and please tell me if I'm wrong, 916-888-5898. I have convinced myself that the Power Five could operate independently of the NCAA. Meaning, if... If the NCAA, like, I don't think that the NCAA would universally shut down fall sports because honestly, I don't, I don't think they're, I, I don't think they have the balls to do that. They're going to put, they're going to do with, like the Ivy league. They're going to put it on, on the conference. Well, it's going to be up to you. You've got to make your decision. Okay. Well, if we look at the power five, what if the power five got together and said, okay, what if, what if we just did it on our own? what if we found a way to operate and all we're really talking about is football right now. What if we found a way to, to operate our, our games? What if we found a way to get games played, you know, just within the power five conferences. What if we just, you know, did conference play for the regular season. And then, you know, we go from there in terms of college football playoffs. And, you know, obviously the bowl season is you know, significantly smaller. There's not 4,000 bowls being played, but, I don't. I don't. I mean, the, the college football season as as we know it. I don't think it could possibly happen. Not the way. Not the way that we know it. And because a, a sport hasn't returned, it's hard to envision college sports of any variety happening under any circumstance. Uh, so I I mentioned that that was the bad. It gets worse and it gets worse for Stanford, who uh, you know Stanford has uh, has always had a very robust collection of varsity sports. Uh, They're going to cut 11 of their varsity programs at the conclusion of the 2020-2021 academic year as it deals with the financial ramifications of the coronavirus pandemic. The 11 sports that are being discontinued are men's and women's fencing, field hockey, uh, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. Um, I know that those aren't sports that you're necessarily, necessarily tuning into ESPN for. Uh, maybe you can find some of them on ESPN, the Ocho, or, or, or the Pac-12 network, but it's a big deal to the kids who went to Stanford uh, with the hopes of playing those sports. And this is ultimately what we are talking about here is we're talking about college kids. So this is tough, man. It's going to affect 240 student athletes and 22 different coaches. Very difficult news for Stanford. I hated reading that story yesterday. And I wonder how many more universities are going to have to cut sports such as the ones uh, we just laid out that Stanford is getting rid of, I wonder how many more universities are going to have to do the same because of the financial ramifications of what's going on uh, right now. Again, it is also difficult because there's no end in sight. You know, colleges have to make decisions. The Ivy League has to make a decision about canceling fall sports. Stanford has to make a decision about getting rid of 11 of their varsity programs because there's no end in sight. We have no idea when this pandemic is going to be over. We're going to have no idea when America catches up with the rest of the world and is able to lower its cases and stop the spread of this virus. It's fascinating to see some of the other countries, how they have dropped into, you know, double digit new cases. Meanwhile, you know, uh, America's leading the charge with, you know, seven figure cases each day. Slight hyperbole there seven figures but it's a lot is the point and we're way behind uh, the rest of the world in terms of uh, how this disease is going Uh, so we'll try to transition into some happier news quick follow-up here i i saw steven jackson yesterday i I saw deshaun jackson we did two straight days of hitler references man i can't do a third I don't know what to say. I, I, I think Steven Jackson has done a hell of a job with the uh, all the Smoke podcast and Matt Barnes and you know, him leading the charge with professional athletes after the, the, the death of George Floyd. I mean, I think Steven Jackson has carved out a hell of a niche for himself. Uh, he has turned into an unlikely – I think he's turned into a, a, an unlikely media go-to guy. But goodness gracious, man. I, I don't know what to do with these guys who they seem to be talking about Hitler and these anti-Semitic messages. Not ha- I I'm fearful they don't know what they're talking about. And so I, I can't do it. Like I can't I can't do it anymore. I can't do anymore. This is the third day in a row Hitler's name has been said on this broadcast. I can't do anymore, man. they g they've gotta they've gotta figure it out. But this this is just getting, this is just getting to be a lot. Like, what are you guys doing, man? Like, what they were doing yesterday, yesterday morning, I think it was on Instagram, like, oh, please stop. Somebody take these dudes' phones away. Just stop it, man. Did you see the story about magic? This is, this is see, see, now here, we're going we're gonna to go back to some, to some we're going to end on, on higher notes. We've decided we're not talking about Hitler, which is always a positive, so we're going to go out on some higher notes. This one, not necessarily a high note, it's just, it's an interesting note. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are going to offer three hundred and fifty dollars tickets on their privately owned or rooftops. If you've ever been to Wrigley, and I'm sure you see this on TV, if you look way out into the outfield, you'll see apartment buildings with rooftop seats up there. Those are those are those are people's like condos, apartments. Those are privately owned, and now apparently they're going to be uh, selling those off for three hundred and fifty dollars. They normally go for, I think it's like 150 or so uh, with a boost during the playoff games. But they, if you really want to see the Chicago Cubs, you can see them uh, from the rooftop just outside of Wrigley Field. For $350, they're going to fill that area. Uh, the city of Chicago has approved the rooftops for 25% capacity. Okie dokie. Let's get on on this one, and I can't decide what this is. I can't decide if this is real. I can't decide if this is heartbreaking. I don't know what this is, but there's a story in which Magic Johnson says he doesn't craft his own tweets. Yeah, it's just hor- that's that is horrible news in every possible way. But I'm not positive that I believe it. See, part of me wonders. Like Magic is a, I don't. Magic is the most overrated speaker on the planet. Like. Without a script in front of him, magic is terrible. Like, like, can you imagine? And for those of you who are old enough to remember this, and I hate sounding like the old guy, magic used to be an analyst during the famous shrug game when Jordan hit all of the threes against uh, against Portland that everybody has mimicked since the beginning of time, or maybe not since the beginning of time, maybe since nineteen ninety two. Magic Johnson was the analyst on that game. Like, if you can't remember, like. Magic Johnson, as an analyst, was quite an experience, and I'm trying to figure out what Magic would be like as an analyst in the social media era. Like Reggie Miller gets ripped apart, rightfully so. Chris Webber gets ripped apart, yes, rightfully so. But there's a little—I think there's a small little caveat to to Webber, and it's his play-by-play guy. I think when you're partnered with a, a play-by-play guy who's kind of mailed it in makes it really, really difficult for the analyst. That's just my opinion. Chris could do some things better, but I don't think as lowly of Chris Webber's others do. Not that he's good, but I think he can be. But can you imagine what Magic Johnson would be like in the era of social media as a color analyst? And this thing about him not crafting his own tweets is just, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't say, well, okay, that makes sense. Or, dude, there's no way. And part of me wonders if he's in on the joke. And that's, that's, I think that's the conclusion I came to, is that he's in on the joke. He knows that he tweets just the most basic nothing. Like he tweets zero insight. Didn't he say he was leaving the Lakers so he could tweet again? Wasn't that one of the things he was really looking forward to doing? He was going to leave the Lakers so he could tweet again. Not he was leaving the Lakers so he could tell someone to tweet for him. Like, does he, because he he says, well, no, I don't write it out myself. I tell somebody what I want to say, and they tweet it. So does that person interpret what Magic is saying in the most dullest, plain way possible, and then tweets it out to the world? I don't believe, I don't believe any of this. There's one of two things happening. Magic tweets himself, and he's just, he just does. And I don't know why he would, but I don't know why he would, like, why would he lie about it? Why would he say someone else does it if he does it? That's maybe the more likely scenario is magic is in on the gag. And that's all. That's what I really think is happening is magic is in on the joke. He knows we poke fun at his tweets. He saw us poke fun at his tweets. And so he just ran with it. He's like, okay, this is, this is my gimmick. Now I got it. Thanks magic. I'm just going to tweet out the most basic shit possible. And that's going to be my Twitter account. That's what I'm settling on Is Magic is in on the gag. Because I just, I don't like the scenario where he's telling someone else to tweet for him. And that person is putting together the dullest tweet possible. LeBron James. The Lakers have a better chance of winning if LeBron James is healthy. Like, can you imagine that for a second? Like, Magic conveys, hey, hey, Twitter uh, intern, Twitter uh, employee, come here. I got I gotta I, got, I, got, I just had this really profound thought I want you to tweet this get your phone out the Los Angeles Lakers have a better chance of winning if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy hit send come on and and wouldn't it be the Twitter employees job to say hey Irvin do you You want to throw in anything else? Anything you want to say about, like, LeBron's game or AD's game? Or, you know, maybe you want an X factor to throw in? No, 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 no. No, 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 Just, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy, the Lakers got a better chance of winning the title. That's the tweet. Send it. It is that employee's job to say, Irvin, that's not a... I don't know, man. Maybe you want to do a little bit more. You are a basketball Hall of Famer. You are a former coach. Like, you... You offer an insight that few people in the world have. Yeah, yeah, I just gave it to you. Send it. I appreciate you so much for tuning in, man. As always, thanks to Kyle Matson for joining us here. Uh, also, more content, patreon.com slash Damien Barlin. You want to grab your podcast gear, check us out on thedopeones.com. Uh, the Damien Barling collection is available there for you, uh, thedopeones.com. Get your More Than a Podcast t-shirt. Uh, get your Be Conscious t-shirt, your Relive t-shirt, your hoop ball t-shirt, all of that stuff. You'll see it. Go take a look at it, if nothing else, and check out the rest of the website as well. Check out all of the fantastic merchandise that The Dope Ones put together. Again, that is thedopeones.com. We appreciate you so much for being here. We will see you tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barth.